We continue to consider the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. This is a has been and is a fun study for me, and I hope that uh, you're enjoying it also. And I hope that the ramifications of it, the implications, how this affects our lives is powerful, turns out to be powerful as we consider the Holy Spirit, His work in our lives. It's greater than what we see in the Old Covenant. And the Old Covenant teaches us some wonderful and powerful things about the work of the Holy Spirit. Today we turn to the uh, books of prophecy. And I'm going to start with Joel, even though it's a little bit farther on than some of the other books. We'll look at uh, Isaiah and Ezekiel are loaded with information about the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. Um, But Joel, uh, for the most part, people think that chronologically it came first. So just from the standpoint of God revealing information about himself, uh, Joel probably most likely, although he could have been contemporaneous with Isaiah. They don't know for sure when Joel was written. I'm going to consider Joel, he could have been written much longer uh, prior to Isaiah. So we're going to go to Joel. I think he was the first prophet that uh, mentions and talks about He was probably, possibly the first prophet uh, of the books of prophecy that's uh, in the Old Old Covenant, as far as the major and minor prophets. He was probably one of the first ones to speak. So we're going to go to Joel chapter 2, and this is of utmost importance to us to consider, uh, because it's quoted in the New Testament. So this passage is, it's vital for us to look at. We have to look at it to understand the Holy Spirit. Uh, we learned a lot of information about the, the God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, and how He moves and works. We learned a lot from the poetry, but now as we learn, uh, as we turn to the prophets, I think we just we learn a lot of neat stuff. To me, it's exciting. The books of the prophets reaffirm many things we've learned about God's Spirit, but then they're also speaking of a future when the Holy Spirit would be even greater and work in greater ways than he had in the past. So Joel, chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. And first of all, it says, it will come about after this. So i got to pause. we got to set the scene a little bit. Joel is a really interesting book. It doesn't give a lot of clues as to when it was written. It just talks about this devastation that comes through an army of locusts. And there's even some debate. Is it, is it all talking about an army of locusts? Or is it talking about an army of locusts and that come through and devastate? Or is there another army that's referred to, an army from the north? But regardless, whether it's, uh, it's judgment, God's judgment coming upon his people because they have been sinful. They have not produced the fruits of of. God's work among them. So God's people, the Israelites, are going to suffer greatly at the hand of God. He is going to be the one to send the locusts, send this devastating army and destroy their land so that they weep and mourn. And just as they did in the book of Judges, once they're turned over to some kind of devastation after their rebellion, hopefully they will 
repent and turn back to God. So in Joel 28, uh, Joel chapter 2, verse 28, it's already spoken of the destruction. God's saying, you've turned against me, so I'm going to turn against you. It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So because of the great sinfulness God would bring judgment on his people, leaving them uh, and making them spiritually and physically a desert wasteland. That was what the locusts were going to do or this invading army. However, a day was promised in the midst of, you know, following the judgment, following the terrible work of God to destroy a day would come a day was promised when God would pour out his spirit on all mankind without prejudice even on the male and female servants he would pour out his spirit so that people would prophesy people would dream dreams people would see visions and this is you know in the old testament as we've gone through we've seen some of these things we've seen that god was with people his holy spirit came upon people whether you think of moses or any of the judges his some people his spirit came upon them mightily david his spirit came upon him mightily and it seems like never departed so god has come upon people like this but now there's this amazing thing that's revealed to us that god will pour out And by the way, I want you to remember this language. We'll come back to here at some point in time. This idea of pouring out His Spirit. It gives a picture of God's uh, Spirit being like a liquid, right? Being like water poured out. Or anointing oil poured out. Um, So His Spirit is going to be poured out on all mankind. Man, woman, Sons, daughters, old, young, the Spirit poured out. Even on servants, the lowly ones, the Spirit is given without prejudice. This is a mighty and beautiful thought. It's an enlightening thought. It should any, any of us who read that, and we've read the whole Old Testament up to this point, and you don't know anything about the New Covenant, You just pretend we're not even here today and we don't know about Jesus. If you got to this point, you'd be like, ooh, wow. God's going to do something big. So, what is that something big? What is going to happen? Well, there's a, a picture in the coming verses of kind of the timing And I wrote a little blurb about this. The timing is described in the following verses, which connects it to the great and awesome day of the Lord. So let's look at verse 30. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. By the way, I'd pause there. I won't say much about this, but when I hear fire and columns of smoke, I start thinking, God's presence, the Holy Spirit, He led them with fire. He led them with columns of smoke. 
That's how he led. Remember, that was connected. We've already connected that with the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, amongst the Israelites. So it's going to be displayed again. His presence is going to be displayed. Um, verse thirty-one: the sun will be turned into darkness. Hmm. That would be a pretty notable thing. And the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Now he's already talked about his Holy Spirit on all mankind. And now he's saying that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. So there's always this promise connected to this great and terrible day and the mighty day of the Lord. Is this the awesome day of the Lord? There, there has to be a remnant that has to come forth through, even though God destroyed through that mighty army, there was going to be a remnant of people who are left who are faithful. A small number of people, although the rest of them had deserted God, there's a remnant that is spared, a remnant that stays faithful to God. And so they, uh, through God, through them, through the remnant, God is going to do these wonderful things. So the remnant is spoken of here. But, and then from the remnant is going to come forth this great and awesome day of the Lord. So now I've got a flash. I said Joel is one of the first prophets. The very last prophet is Malachi. So he... Malachi fits chronologically and in our Bibles, it's the very last one in the Old Covenant before you get to Matthew. Malachi chapter 4 and verse number 5. And this is going to be, um, I've got to back up and read verse number, uh, verses uh, 1 and 2 and 3 along with it. Because this is a verse that we've looked at. In recent years, on a few occasions, I just want you to remember some of what's here. here. For behold, the day is coming. So it's talking about a day, the day. It's coming, burning like a furnace. And all the arrogant and evil, every evildoer will be chaff. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. You will tread down the wicked, and they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, even the statutes and ordinances which I commanded him in Horeb before, or for all Israel. Behold, and now here is the connection with taking us back to Joel, even though actually there's some other connections with Joel in there too, if you did a study on it. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of of the children to their fathers, so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. So Elijah is going to come. 
Elijah. By the time Malachi is written, Elijah has long been dead. So Malachi is pointing to a great prophet who is going to come uh, just as Elijah came before Elisha. There is Elijah is going to come, then somebody else is going to follow after him. And that happens, but Elijah comes before the coming of the great and terrible, or the great and awesome day of the Lord. And again, you go back to Joel chapter 2, verse number, excuse me, verse number 31. At the end it says, the sun's going to be dark, the moon's blood, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So those are prophecies. And there are clues about when this day is going to be. And notice then, there's some information about that day. But in that day, verse 32 of Joel 2, And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Joel has... Some good news here, doesn't it? The earliest of prophets forecasting a day when, man, something big is going to happen. All the other prophets follow, well, most of the other prophets follow up with more information. Malachi follows up, even, even telling us more information, more clues about that great and awesome day. But there is a day coming when the whole earth, the whole world, every man, all mankind will be affected. Now, let's go to, in our Bibles we back up, but in time, from the prophet Joel, we'd be moving forward to the prophet Isaiah. <coughs> Isaiah and Ezekiel speak so much about the, uh, about the Holy Spirit. And so we'd start in Isaiah uh, chapter 4. In Isaiah chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, and by the way, in chapter 4, verse number 2, the word branch is going to be used there, and I think that was, the term branch was also in Malachi, where we just read. So these prophets, they carry over to one another. They're all speaking the same thing, pointing to this future thing that's going to happen. And, they, and this is one of the reasons for us to believe that the Bible truly is the Word of God. It comes together in a cohesive way and points to something even through different people. It points to the same thing in the future. Um, it's the Word of God. You can trust it. It's true. Don't give up on it. It's hard at times. It's hard to figure out, but you keep working with it. God's Word is true. Trust it. So in Isaiah chapter 4, uh, verse number 2, it says, In that day, notice that language of that day. Isaiah is similar to Joel, that day. There is coming a day, that great and awesome day. These are all connected. They're all the same. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. Now, pause here a second. Because... It, it, talking about a beautiful and glorious branch, 
in Isaiah, you start to uh, to read, and you can even see, uh, just flipping uh, back in chapter 2, verse 12, my Bible has a heading, a day of reckoning is coming. Just like Joel was prophesying, a day of reckoning, a day when God comes in and cleans house, a day of judgment. So, They're talking about the same thing. Judgment's going to come, then God is going to restore. And when he restores, man, he does it in a big way. All right, Isaiah chapter 4, verse 2. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth will be the pride of the adornment of the survivors of Israel. Again, a remnant. Same language, same thoughts being put forth. It will come about... That he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who is recorded for life in Jerusalem. When the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the bloodshed of Jerusalem from her midst by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning. Then the Lord will create over the whole area of Mount Zion And over her assemblies a cloud by day, even smoke, and the brightness of a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory will be, for over all, the glory will be a canopy. There will be a shelter to give shade from the heat of the day, heat by day, and refuge and protection from the storm in the rain. Connections with the very Spirit of God. Spirit is only mentioned, that word ruach that we've been looking at and considering, it's only mentioned in verse number four, ruach of judgment, ruach of burning. A spirit that is going to come in and, and provide purification. God's Spirit is at work. And they don't cap my my uh, my translation. The American Standard doesn't capitalize spirit. Usually, if they think it's a reference to the Holy Spirit, they will capitalize it. I think they could have here. The spirit of judgment—that is God's spirit. It's the Holy Spirit provides judgment. God's spirit provides. It has a sense of burning. Purification comes from God. Even, you know, these, these references to, uh, to God's Holy Spirit, it's mentioned down a little bit farther when, during the day among the Israelites, when God led them out of Egypt, excuse me, during the night, he was pillar of fire. He went before them, he led them by fire. They knew when God was with them, and that was his Holy Spirit. We looked at that and referenced that a couple of weeks ago. The Holy Spirit was that fire. The Holy Spirit was that cloud, that smoke. So when we back up to verse number four, and it talks about that ruach of judgment and that ruach of burning, God, burning and fire, those are, excuse me, burning, fire, those are connected with God's Holy Spirit. When you think of... um, What does fire produce? It produces smoke. And that's how God shows up at night. Excuse me, and I switched it again. (laughs) That's during the day. He's the 
the cl pillar of cloud by day. I don't know why I want, yeah, pillar of cloud by day. I'm going to think about that every time now. I'm getting all confused, saying it backwards. So to the comment that I have here on the paper then, Isaiah chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, in that day, and I put in here, when the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains, Isaiah 2.2. Look at that. This is, this is big stuff happening here. This is, um, he talks about the, the idea of them being a stubborn and rebellious. They have stubborn wills, the people of God. They are stubborn, stubborn, stubborn. And so God, he brings, upon the, brings them into judgment. And then... After this judgment is going to come about something in the last days. Isaiah 2, verse number 1. The, Lord, the word which Isaiah, the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it will come about that in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all Nations will stream to it. Joel talked about the Spirit being poured out on all mankind. And now Isaiah is talking about all nations coming to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is the chief of all the nations. Daniel, I don't think we'll look at it, but Daniel talks about the different kingdoms with the statue. And then there was a, remember the a rock is brought out of this mountain and it crushes the statue by its feet, mess blows up everything, and then that, that rock becomes a mountain. What is this? A great and mighty nation is what it has to be. If you're these Israelites reading this and Isaiah speaking, this is what they want. They want to be this great and mighty nation. All nations are coming to it. All nations serve this great and mighty nation. Um, verse 3, and then and still in Isaiah 2. And many peoples will come and say, let, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. You people on Sunday morning, adult class, you better be like, Oh, I, I'm talking about Acts, the word going forth from Jerusalem. It all fits together. Uh, and this is a new age, a new, new time in these last days. Isaiah 2 verse 4, And he will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many peoples. And they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. That's a new day, and that's a new time. And you got to wrestle and figure out with, well, how does that fit with where we're at today? So anyhow, the mountain, the mountain above all mountains, this is the nation that is premier. This is the one that all nations answer to. They've got a king that is the king of all kings. That's my words from other places, not from right in Isaiah chapter 2. But on to Isaiah chapter 2, verse number 11. Let's get down a little farther faster. Isaiah 2, 11, it says, The proud look of man will be abased, and the loftiness of man will be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. 
This is the day, the coming time, the great and mighty day of the Lord. Awesome day of the Lord. Verse 17, the pride of man will be humbled and the loftiness of men will be abased and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. This is a great day for the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit, Isaiah chapter 4 again. So that was kind of Isaiah chapter 2 putting us in the right mindset and the time frame to understand what Isaiah chapter 4 is speaking of. And in chapter 4, verse 2, that branch is going to come forth of the Lord. The destruction comes, destroys everything, but out of the one of the looks like everything's been burdened, but then there's a root and something springs forth from that root. A branch of the Lord. Beautiful and glorious, fruitful. Isaiah 4, 2. Um... When you, what did I write here? Well, I, I summarized chapter 4 just by saying this. This is all the work of the Holy Spirit that's done in connection with this branch. It's going to be a person who comes forth from the remnant of people. The Holy Spirit will purify and judge, then be present day and night to provide a canopy of protection. The Israelites, when they came out of Egypt, God was with them. They could see His presence. They knew the Spirit was with them. That's going to be restored. It hasn't been present. By the time you get to Isaiah, it hasn't been present for a while. They haven't seen it. But here we get to uh, that Spirit of God returning, visible, Known in a powerful way, a cloud by day, even smoke. And I'm looking at verse number five. And that brightness of a flaming fire by night. For over all, the glory will be a canopy. And that connects me with that. Uh, everyone who calls on, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This spirit poured out and it's going to be a protection for everyone. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord. For over all... The glory, and that word glory is another word we've connected with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a glorious thing. It is God's glory, God's presence. The glory filled that tabernacle. The glory of the Lord filled that tabernacle. His Holy Spirit came into it. He was present there. And now this promise is something better. Instead of coming into a a building or a tent, God's Spirit is going to be a covering. A beautiful image, and this is all spiritual language. And I believe it is true, it has been fulfilled, it is present even now. The glory of the Lord is a canopy, a shelter to give shade from the heat of the day. So now you imagine, this is where this imagery is, uh, is so important for us to remember. The Israelites, they walked in the wilderness. <laughs> They lived in the wilderness. Jerusalem gets hot. You start walking away from Jerusalem. You walk down to the Dead Sea. No life can live down there. It's so hot and terrible. And the water is it's dead. It's, it's, the desert is, surrounds Jerusalem. It's a, uh, especially towards the south. You go towards the south. It's, it's, the wilderness is desert. Lifeless desert. But God 
gives them shade. You ever been on such a hot day, the, the sun's beating down on you, and you see somebody else, and they've got, a, uh, they've got an umbrella. I actually saw it the other day. It wasn't even real hot, but somebody had an umbrella, and I was like, that's smart. That's what you do when it's hot. I never do that, but that's smart. <laughs> God is that covering. He provides shelter from the heat, from the sun. The sun we love the sun, but the sun can be a thing of death when you're in the desert. And God providing that shelter, that's protection. He is the one who can keep you alive. His spirit, you rely upon his spirit for protection. On to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. Um, <clears throat> by the way... As I flip through the pages, Isaiah chapter 8, verse, uh, verse 14, then he shall become a sanctuary. You know, this is interesting language. He, there's the promised one. There's a Messiah that's spoken of here. The branch is spoken of in many ways in Isaiah. Um, verse, chapter 9, verse 6, for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. Eternal Father, Prince of Peace is what he'll be called. On to chapter 11. Uh, Verse, chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. From that root of Jesse. From his stem, you know, it's, everything's barren. Everything's been destroyed by the mighty hand of God in judgment. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom. Spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, and the spirit of strength, the spirit of the knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and will not judge what not will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he will judge. And continues on there. Connected with the day of judgment. So this is still, this is after that time, after the time of judgment, when everything's starting over anew, a man will come bearing fruit. The branch. Notice how it pictures him. Bearing fruit. On whom the Spirit of the Lord will rest. And this is... This imagery that's given here, I think, is the spirit of wisdom and understanding of counsel and strength, of knowledge, the fear of the Lord. This is like taking the imagery that we've looked at before pertaining to the, to the men of God when the, Holy, when the Spirit of God came upon them or when the Spirit of God came upon them mightily. You know, that's, this is a whole nother level up compared to these other men that we've looked at. Like David and Saul and Samson and Moses. This is a whole nother level. Um, and some notes here, just really interesting. Well, you can read those notes. The word ruach is used in verse number three. <coughs> um, uh, because the word ruach is in chapter, verse number two over and over again. The ruach. Of the Lord will rest on him, the Ruach of wisdom, the Ruach of understanding, the Ruach of counsel. You know, that's the, that's the spirit. That's the word, the wind or spirit, the breath of God. 
But notice in, um, in verse, number, um, verse number three, at the very end, uh, excuse me, verse number four at the end, a typo there. Verse number four at the end, it says, And with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. You might note that breath is the word ruach. It's the ruach of his lips. It's that breath. Breath is spirit. They, they use that same term, ruach, is spirit, and that means, can mean something uh, more simple like this term for breath here. It's correctly translated, but I just want to note it's there. It's with his breath, with the wind that comes from his mouth, he's going to slay the wicked. God sending this Messiah, the Messiah is one who he, he isn't, he is love. He is compassion, but he is also going to judge by the words that he says. We will be judged by the words of Christ, the very words that he spoke. Those are the words that will be judged by. So, um, and, and by the way, that um, uh, in the Lexham English Bible, it actually translates, and his breath is the fear of Yahweh. Oh, that's... Verse, um, verse number three. Uh, I apologize. I got confused because of the, my translation. Now I've muddied this all up. Go back to verse number three with me. That first phrase. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Listen, listen to this. This is surprising. The word ruach is there. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. The LEB translates that, and his breath is in the fear of the Lord. I just stumbled across the fact that Ruach was even used there. I didn't realize it. But it says, and he, um, and it's a derivative, it's a verb, he Ruachs. He, and it's almost like they said he smells, is, is what the, maybe the connection is. But he smells the fear of the Lord, or he breathes according to, let me read the LEB here. Uh, where did it go? The translation from the LEB, and his breath is the fear of the Lord. His delight is the fear of the Lord. There's a connection between these words, between ruach and smelling and delight. But just a simple look at this might just be that he breathes and his breath is the fear of Yahweh. It's like every breath that Jesus takes, maybe it's saying that every breath, every every little breath he takes it's in the fear of the lord we're not like that we take a breath we come to church and we're breathing in the spirit all you know we're all in the spirit and then we go away from here and we we struggle to stay in that spirit and to walk according to that spirit but jesus this one who came upon the spirit comes upon him mightily his every breath is in the fear of the lord he never forgets the lord god for a moment that the other thing is at the end of verse number four. Now I can get to it. That word for breath is ruach again. And that's how he slays the wicked. So all of chapter 11, if you keep reading on, it still talks about this day. And it describes this new age under the Messiah. And by the way, I use this term Messiah. that originates, um, the first use of that is in 1 Samuel 2.10. So it's been a long time that they've been looking forward to him. Somebody's been talking about a Messiah, one who is anointed, one who is to come to be a king. 
over Israel to uh, lead forth this idea of a great nation, the mountain of God, all nations streaming to it, the premier nation. Then Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 13. Flip to Isaiah 42. These verses were read before our... uh, before our uh, opening prayer. But look at verses 1 and 2. This is, Isaiah talks about God's servant, the chosen one, the Messiah, and so many of these words are just put forth right here in verse number 1. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise his voice nor make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. God sets forth a new time, a new age, when he sends the branch, the Messiah, the chosen one in whom God is well pleased. God says in verse number two about this Messiah, who the Holy Spirit's going to come upon powerfully, my chosen one in whom my soul delights, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Isaiah points, along with Joel, along with all the other prophets, to a wonderful man led powerfully by the Holy Spirit. Every breath, he's led by God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I just ask you today, do you trust him? God was putting forth the message long ago, hey, he's coming, he's going to come, there's going to come a day, this is a great and awesome, terrible day. He has come. Do you trust him? Have you given him your life? Do you seek to keep in step with that spirit that he left with us? Keep in step with that spirit, just like Jesus himself Every breath, breathing spirit, every word he spoke, everything he did according to the spirit, are you walking with him? I invite you, if you've never given your life to to that spirit, to Christ Jesus, come today. Why don't you respond as we stand and sing?